Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. We have come down from the high of our 100th episode, and we're back. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury. This is going to be kind of a more economical episode as we work around very busy schedules and a lot going on. We've got midweeks. We've got Mercer Bears coming to town very soon, Tom. There's a lot going on. We got How poss- are you? We got possible weather. We got a lot of stuff happening Great. this week. Yeah. I can't wait to prep and make a board for yeah. a game and then it not happen. Right, yeah. So hopefully it will, uh, but we're waiting for final word. That's right. So as it records right now, we are yes. playing Southern Miss on Wednesday. Exactly. Uh, TBD, if that will stay true. This is, of course, the Out of the Box podcast. Here is your trip around the bases. We will start at the plate. And talk about everything. What what was a great week ended like as badly as you can imagine. And we have a lot of thoughts. Just, I mean, at the highest of highs and to hit a brick wall. It was, uh, <laughs> uh. Just the, we, we went full crash course dummy. Yes. Just through the windshield. Mm. Oh, man. We'll talk about what this week looks like. Then it's time to advance to first. What happened in the SEC in week three? Some people had worse weeks. I gotta say. Concerns about the Florida Gators abound. Of course, we'll have FGCL Player of the Week. Then we will steal second with our friend, the great Tara Henry from D1 Softball. Yes. Tom, you're not going to be there for that. I will not be there. I I like Tara a lot. This is now the second interview that we've done with her where I have not been here, and I apologize for that. I will be eagerly awaiting and listening when when, when the pod drops. Tara Henry, Trisha Ford. Just apparently, Tom, nowhere to be found. <laughs> My mortal enemy, JDH, every time. <laughs> but other people know. After that, <laughs> we go around third with my TV partner, Kaylee Tao, coming back this weekend to call games on SEC Network Plus. The All-American, of course. Yes. And I like Kaylee, too, and I'm not going to be here for that one either. But uh, we'll be excited to see her this weekend. Yes, we will be. I, just full party coming up. Right. At the Crimson Classic. As I'm left to call five games by myself on the radio. This is pretty much it, Tom. <laughs> We've got this in South Carolina, and that's it. Okay. And we'll see. if we do play on Wednesday, by the way, people, it's us again on the stream as well. More on that Ooh. when we head home. So much on that. Oh, man. Off the wall. Off the wall was going to be all about that until Sunday happened. Yeah. Uh, but we'll still talk. We'll still discuss it. Yeah. but And the flex rule as well. <laughs> Something... What? What is that? <laughs> Jayla hitting? Who? No. Follow us on Twitter, at OutOfTheBox underscore pod. Like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Okay. This week, so much good. It was the Samford game. It was the Bama bash. But then it ended really badly. And we're going to talk about the bad thing in just a minute. But that is not how we do things here on this podcast. We start with the good. And the first good thing is Patrick Murphy wins his 1200th game at the University of Alabama that came on Wednesday against Sanford, kind of one of those classic Alabama beats an in-state foe by a score that's probably closer than it should have been kind of games. But then we got to all go to Baumhauer's after and celebrate. Really, Tom, one of those special experiences that, you know, I mean, you, you joke about calling these games alone. I think it's, I'm really glad that we both had a chance to call that moment for Patrick Murphy. For sure. Yeah, it was a uh, awesome evening. Um Glad Alabama won the game uh, because, like you said, it was a close matchup, a 3-2 Alabama win over Samford. But it was a game that Alabama dominated, but they had four errors. And, right. that, and that'll that'll keep another team in the game when they only have one hit. That would have been your window. That would that will do it. Maybe a little bit of a, uh, a harbinger of, of things to come and the sloppiness uh, for the weekend. But 
Uh, I thought it was a, you know, a great job and good job of getting the timely hit and, you mm -hmm. know, of coming through in the, in the big chances. Allie Shipman's not going to be coming off the bench very often, uh, but it happened and she got the big hit. And uh, shockingly, Kenley Cahalan did too. Uh, so, so that was great to see. And then the post-game video, a uh, chance for Murph to see that video that was narrated by alumni uh, around his current team, who everybody seemed was so happy for him, was was really, really cool, really good moment. Funny you mentioned Kenley Cahalan. Mm. We go to the Bama Bash, yes. where in this event, across all five games, the 17-year-old goes 8-for-12 with four RBIs, two home runs, including an inside the Parker, three doubles, five walks, one strikeout, and eight runs scored. Ludicrous. That, that's, that's a heck of a job by your leadoff hitter. I mean, check, check, check. Everything that we look for from the person at the top of the order, Kenley Cahalan is accomplishing it and more. Like, get on base when you start an inning, drive in runs and the people behind you at the bottom of the order get on. It's She is passing with flying colors. Including being really good defensively as well. Right. Um, seems as though she's made the per permanent move over to shortstop. Mm -hmm. uh, but, heck, I mean, she she was amazing. And and like I said, if, if at any point in your career at Alabama, in the same day, you break a Alabama program record that's set by Haley McClinney and tie another one that's set by Brittany Rogers, and you do it in your first three weeks as a member of the Crimson Tide, it's pretty dang good. That is a lot of All-American wins stuff. and whatnot. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Faith Hensley, five for nine in the bash with four RBIs, two home runs, two walks, eight runs scored. Just, again, another another insert into the lore of Senior Day Magic at Rhodes. There was a time when at Alabama, like, you didn't do well on your senior day. That was kind of like the the overall thought was that senior day, you know, is, you know, maybe they put too much pressure on themselves, too many, you know, all your own family's all there. Uh, but recently, people have done really well on their senior day. Yeah. But I don't think anyone's done as well as Faith Hensley did on her senior day. To have two home runs, one in each game, uh, and for the weekend to score eight runs, when you didn't even start and play in every game. Right. Uh, <laughs> amazing job by Faith Hensley, and uh, I, I think it was a really cool senior day, even though, you know, despite the fact she's only been here, you know, six, eight, eight months, and she's only going to play for one year, uh, but to see how she has so embraced the program, how much the program has embraced her, it was really cool to see. I completely agree. As we continue down the list of good, Bailey Dowling looks like she's kind of back to normal. It looks like she is really figured out what she wants to do when she steps into the box. Three for seven, six RBIs, a homer, a double, a walk, four runs scored. And I kind of pair her with Emma Broadfoot, who looked to get back on track as well. Four of eight with an RBI, three walks, and three runs scored. You know, really good to see those two getting it going at home. Uh, we did not see super strong first two weeks from them overall, though Dowling, you know, obviously picked it up against Florida State with that home run. But if those two bats are consistent and we know what Dowling can do when she starts driving in runs, then this offense is really clicking on all cylinders. Absolutely. You know, Dowling is going to be, you know, in that four or five hole uh, pretty much all year as long as she continues to to produce. Uh, and Emma Broadfoot, uh, if she can, you know, bring in that power, that RBI production from six, seven, uh, the lineup's going to be really good top to bottom. Allie Shipman, 
5 of 15, but with 9 RBIs, 2 more doubles, mm-hmm. just... It, it helps that RBI total when you get to come up with the bases loaded multiple times, which she did. Every time the bases were loaded. That used to be a thing with Claire Jenkins. Now I think it's Allie Shipman. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Montana Fouts. Mm, a one two five ERA on the weekend, 11 and two-thirds. The only two runs she gave up were a Maria Dettelier, shout out to Reed, two-run homer, two walks and 20 Ks. Outside of that one pitch, shut down all weekend long. Yeah. The people's queen, Kentucky Gold, she's rolling right now. And before we dive into the bad, the overall situational hitting was really good. I did the math. Alabama went one for 12 in that last game with runners on base against Kennesaw State. Still for the weekend hit 365. Right. That's what, and that's what made, you know, in the, in, on Saturday, yeah. Alabama had nine offensive innings and scored at least one in all nine of those innings. And in all, but I think one or two had more than one. So they did a tremendous job of passing the bat down. We talked, I talked with Coach Murphy in the pregame interview on Sunday about it, uh, that, you know, that's what they worked on in practice. And to see it translate right in, immediately into a game was so cool. And that's, that's what made Sunday so inexplicable yeah. is that you were playing so well, everything was really coming together. And then it all just kind of, you know, the wheels came off out of nowhere. Let's dive in. All right. A 5-3 Sunday loss to Kennesaw State. I feel so bad that you had to do that on your own. Although it wasn't much better for me over right. women's basketball. Uh, Sunday was just not great all, all the way around. Congrats to baseball, and that's yes. about it. Yes. Uh, the 5-3 loss to Kennesaw State. Uh, you were there. You called it. I went back and watched a little bit of it just to kind of get an understanding about like what happened, honestly, right? I mean, yeah. that's the question that I kept getting. How did this happen? Just like you said, you're playing so well. How did this happen? Uh, from an offensive standpoint, the thing that stuck out to me, Tom, is Alabama was doing things they have not done all year long, which is take strikes and swing at junk. A lot of chasing in this game against Kennesaw State. And, you know, we can't talk about this without giving credit to the opposing pitcher. Hillary threw a heck of a game. Uh, She was coached by Blake Gray before going to college. Blake was really excited about her performance, said that she's got big things going. And I think we saw that this weekend. That being said, Alabama made it easier for her by going after some of the pitches that they did in the box. I thought she was really effectively wild. It was hard to, to get a good gauge on her. Because, I mean, she had multiple walks in the game. I don't have in front of me. Again, I mean, exactly how many were. They were like six, I think. I think it was five or six. Five yeah. or six, yeah. So, they had, I mean, she had a lot of walks. Uh, she threw about a 50-50 split of strikes and balls. But, yeah, she just kept Alabama off balance. And, yeah, I think you got to give her a lot of credit because she pitched 17 innings this weekend. She pitched 10 against Indiana State in a one nothing loss in 10 innings and then pitched the seven innings against Alabama and gave up three total runs. You know, she pitched really well, and I think she's going to be really good for Kennesaw moving forward, and we'll see if she ends up staying at Kennesaw or might be one of those mid-majors that gets, you know, a chance to go somewhere else. I'm sure Patty was watching. Sure, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know she'll want <laughs> – she needs more pitchers. <laughs> um, but offensively, Alabama has done such a good job – this past weekend and all year long, really, of having a really good plan against yeah. no matter who the pitcher is. And I think if Alabama knew that Hill, it was a good chance Hillary was going to be the pitcher because she'd only pitched in that one game, the 10 innings against Indiana State. Uh, but for some reason, the game plan just wasn't implemented. And then there was some really poor execution. You know, there were multiple pop-up bunts. Yeah. There were just 
you know, multiple times that struck out looking with runners on base. Runners left on base was a, a bad number for Alabama in that game. Yeah, major um, lack of productive outs for sure. If you're going to yeah. get out, you got to do something productive with it. Yeah, so there was a lot of that, a lot of just quiet outs, black holes in the lineup. Um, and then, you know, the pitching was erratic. And Alabama, for lack of a better term, just kind of came out flat. Uh, and by the time they kind of got things going a little bit, fifth and sixth inning, um, you were already down the five nothing hole. Yeah, the pitching question as well. Uh, another thing that a lot of people have asked me about, uh, in particular the the non fouls of it all, Lauren Esman, Jayla Torrance, Alex Salter. Um, I'll start with Jayla. It's interesting to watch how Sunday unfolded and how she pitched all weekend in the greater context of the conversations that I have with people who played the game, who, who aren't affiliated with Alabama. I, I talked to a lot of our friends at ESPN. They're like, man, I love Jayla's stuff. She's got good stuff. And then just, it disappears yeah. all of a sudden. Uh, I thought as it was happening and I was tracking it at women's basketball, that first inning against Kennesaw came out of nowhere. I don't know where that came from. And I actually think her demeanor looks way better in the circle than it did a year ago. Yeah. But for whatever reason, there are just patches where the spin isn't there, the movement isn't there, and it's just sitting on a tee for the opposing teams. And we know that she is better than that, and she's shown that in the past. But Jayla's got to step up and avoid those lapses that unfortunately we saw in particular on Sunday. Even with that, I think the two hardest hit balls by Kennesaw were against the other two pitchers. Hmm. I thought, you know, Jayla gave up the most hits and ended up taking the loss. But, you know, there was a lot of bloopers and a lot of, you know, just seeing eye singles that got through. Uh, but those count just as much as, as the really hard hit balls. It was just, it was an accumulation of them that they, they couldn't get that final out to stop any bleeding that was happening. Yeah. I actually thought at one point, so Jayla started, then Lauren came in to replace her, and then Salty came in, and then they brought back in Jayla with two on, and she got two two big outs and kept Kennesaw State where they were. I think that was in the sixth inning. Mm-hmm. And that was as impressive as Jayla's been, you know, maybe all year, those two outs. Yeah. Uh, but, again, just a lack of consistency because they were in the position they were in because the start wasn't good. Right. Lauren comes in. And the first thing she does, it gives up a, a deep fly ball to center field double. Uh, but then is able to settle things down. But, you know, Kennesaw's got all, all the momentum. You're not able to do anything offensively. Um, and then Salter, unfortunately, gives up a home run to a player that hadn't hit a home run or got an RBI all year. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what so happened this sure. weekend with Salter. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not... It was just an overall disappointing day. And a little bit of what we saw the first week reared back its ugly head of not of the pitchers coming in and struggling to start off with, you know, whether it being to start an inning or if they're coming in the middle of an inning, uh, they're not squelching the rally. It's, you know, that they continue to snowball against. Right. Them. And then the next inning they're fine, but now you're, you're down multiple runs. Right. Yeah. So I, I think at this point you're just asking for more consistency because in particular with Jayla and Lauren, we have seen moments where we're like, yes, that is it. And we know what Lauren did in the fall and what Lauren did against Indiana and what, what Lauren has done in scrimmages. Honestly, you talk to the coaches, they rave about what sure. Lauren did against the Alabama offense, but it, it's got to come through much more consistently. Uh, I, I think again, you know, 
we've still got time before conference play, but we do need to figure out who's going to start game two against Arkansas. And while again, we have time, it's not as long as we had two weeks ago. So at some point, somebody's just going to have to step up. And I do trust, you know, Lance to have them ready. I trust them to be ready. Um, but at some point, you've just got to do it. And that has to happen pretty soon. Because you're now to the point where, you know, you're not going to have much practice time. Right. You know, you're you're playing three, four games a week. You get one or two off days a week. So maybe you're having one, maybe two days of bullpen slash practice you just you, you got to get yourself ready yeah and be able to give alabama a chance like you know we're not asking these doesn't guys, have to be a shutout right we're not asking we're not asking the non-fouts to throw no hitters whereas you know but there shouldn't be a situation where kennesaw scores five runs on you right just flat out alabama scored three runs that should have been enough now at the same time you don't want to only score three runs right uh, against teams like Kennesaw State, but you know three should have been enough. You got to be able to stop bleeding when you know a couple of those seeing eye singles get through. Uh, you got to find ways to get get the big outs when they're when they're available. Um, and Alabama just didn't do that Sunday, which and it and it's and it's so weird because they had done it, but like they're you know, right. It was a complete 180 from right. 90% of the evidence that we had from the 2023 season, which yeah. I, I think is what kind of gives me the whiplash, honestly. Yeah. Lehigh, the thing, like the Lehigh loss, two things different about it. One, you got to play another game right away, and you kind of got everything figured out. But that was also the first game of the season, so you didn't, you didn't really know what, was gonna, what, was, what you had. Right. You had, you had seen all this evidence now of what you could be and, and how good you could be. And then just to have it fall apart. Now the thing is, as well, does does the, does this loss erase all the positives that have happened? Hell no, absolutely not. No, and in fact, you know, a lot of people have been asking me about my ballot for the D one softball top twenty five. I was actually kind of once again, I don't know if it's by accident or on purpose, a little bit lower in Alabama than everybody else. But my reasoning was that lineup that we saw on Sunday, never going to see it again. There were some things that Alabama tried in that game because I think they thought they could against a Kennesaw State team that that had been struggling that that didn't work. And we're not going to see them again Um, this weekend or I think the rest of the year. I feel fairly confident saying that. So we di- we did not see Alabama right. correct really at their best or even their their B lineup in my opinion in terms of people in and the positions in which they were listed in the order. Unfortunately, the game counts. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I know. right. You know, that's that's. But but to true. me, it doesn't feel like a harbinger of things to come. No, because you won't see that lineup again. Right. But it's kind of a it's a catch twenty two because like okay, so you have a game, you're playing a opponent that you should be able to beat no matter what you're not pitching montana fouts so do you put out your best possible lineup because montana fouts isn't pitching that's what i would do yeah but at the same time if if montana's pitching then you're probably playing a really good team that's right so you should put out your best lineup against the best teams when do you get a chance to play these other players that which we've talked about the whole time there's more than nine good players on this team so it's a it's a catch-22 for the coaches you know, you're not, you're not going to put out your your one B lineup against Arkansas on Friday, <laughs> right? You know, with Montana Fat or you know against Florida State or UCLA or any of those, even sure. the non-conference. You know, Alabama plays at Texas in a couple of weeks. 
you're going to see that 1A lineup, I would Absolutely. think, against Longhorns both times, yeah. whether Montana's pitching or not. I mean, and you'll probably need to have the 1A lineup against Texas State. And Wisconsin's playing better now after getting no hit to begin the service. They have learned to hit. Or they have learned to hit. Some. So it's, you know, these are your times to give the people that aren't the everyday starters, quote unquote, a chance to show right. that they're, you know, one capable of either starting if necessary or being a, a pinch hitter, you know, in big situations, which Alabama's going to have plenty of, plenty of those coming up. So it's, but if you do that and then they don't come through, then you're, screwed yeah right and and it shouldn't have mattered it shouldn't have mattered it shouldn't have mattered and i think the biggest bummer about this is like there's no spin it is a bad loss to a team that is not very good we're not sure we're not yeah and and I, i think like as i look at it numerically this is a damaging damaging loss to what alabama wants to do profile wise when it comes to the NCAA tournament, we're a long way away from that. But every year when we've done bracketology, Tom, I've always been able to highlight, oh, Alabama's worst loss, somebody inside the top 50 of the RPI. Kennesaw State will not be that team. We talked about how Pitt a couple weeks ago was a bad loss for Auburn. This is probably worse RPI-wise. So that is going to be something Alabama is going to have to combat the rest of the year. They're going to have to have a bunch at the top end of that resume to combat what is going to be a black hole on that team sheet when the committee looks at it. Yeah, there's going to be probably two sub 100, if not sub 150 RPI losses. Eh, we'll see about Lehigh. We'll see about Lehigh. We'll see about Lehigh. I didn't. I Depends didn't tra- on if they win the Patriot League. I didn't track if they bounced back this week. They did not play this week. Oh, well, then how, that's why I didn't see them. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> But they're going to be in the scoreboard update every week from now on. We're big fans yes. of the Mountain Hawks. Kaka right. And maybe, shoot, maybe the Owls will get it turned around. Uh, birds? We need yes. to stop playing birds. Stop playing birds <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. Um, <laughs> Which, as we look forward, the Golden coming Eagles. on Wednesday, <laughs> the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Maybe that game should get canceled. <laughs> Mother Nature, if you have a soul, please. Oh, Is wow. there anything else you want to say about Sunday before we look ahead? Um, well, I wanted to mention as well the the defense. We we talked about it a little bit, but uh, you know, Samford had four errors. It was a, a I think or three errors and four errors against Indiana State. Right, right, yeah. Didn't matter against Indiana State because he scored fourteen runs, but uh, that is an issue. What had been a really had been a, a strength for the first week and a half, two weeks of the season was Alabama in the field. Things had gone really, really well. Alabama was the last SEC team to commit an error, uh, but then they've come and they've come in bunches, which yeah. has been really weird to see. It, there was just a lot of uncharacteristic sloppiness this weekend. I know the people out there might be saying it's three weeks. How do we know it's uncharacteristic? I was like, well, I mean, Alabama didn't do that against all the ranked teams they played in Clearwater. So where did it come from against the unranked teams? Right. I don't know. Uh, which makes the Crimson Classic really important because it's basically the same thing. You've got who? Who would have thought we would be talking about how important the Crimson Classic is? I mean, the the bounce back is real, and yeah. it has to happen. Robert Morris and Longwood on Friday. Robert Morris and Longwood on Saturday. Let the party begin with Mercer on Sunday. Love you, Lindsay and Kara and Courtney Gettens, but Mercer's not very good. No. So that these are all games that you should be able to win. Yes, Longwood beat Florida State a couple weeks ago, but they haven't done much since. Uh, Alabama, I think, has to make a statement this weekend and. And do it emphatically, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you want run rules, you want... I just want clean softball. Clean play, yeah, I want clean, clean softball. well-executed um, softball. Yeah. If it leads to a 7-1 win, 
fine. Sure. But I want it clean. I want it well executed. And I want to see just a better overall team. Yeah. You want, you want to see better adjustments, continued implementation of the game plan, um, and just, you know, passing the bat down, getting the big hits. Yeah. Just play, playing clean. And, you know, res- as Coach Murphy talks about, respecting the heck out of the opponent by kicking their butt. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what you need to do. Because yeah, you're you're there's no more room for error in these type of games. Yeah, no more bad losses. I want the OG lineup back. Although I do think there is an interesting discussion to be had about Faith Hensley versus Jenna Johnson after what Faith did this past weekend and Jenna going hitless in the bash. But uh, I'm sure they'll both get shots this weekend. Pitching wise, um, I, I know I want Montana against Longwood after they beat Florida State, but uh, the rest of it. I don't know. I haven't scouted the opponents yet, so we'll see. Agreed. All right, there we go. (laughs) You know, we just kind of did the therapy session because I wasn't there for post game on Sunday. We just got it out of our system here. I'll tell you it was a quick post game. It wouldn't have been if I was there. We would have done. We would have thrown it back to 2017 after Auburn. The 45 minute post game. We were basically taking callers. (laughs) It was (laughs) with a turned off the lights and said, y'all go home. We're like, but we need to discuss. <laughs> this has been rough. Uh, seven years later. Mm. All right, we've put in play. Who are we? We didn't have a podcast yet. So that's no, why, we didn't. That's why we had to do the post game. It's <laughs> true. Yes. I think I know the answer, but who are we? Oh, Kenley Cahalan. Okay, we're freaking Kenley Cahalan. Who somehow is not SEC Freshman of the Week. When we come back, we'll be advancing to first. What the heck, Florida? What the heck? Kentucky? Mm. Who's pitching? Not the person I wanted. That's next when we return on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. We put it in play just like Kenley Cahalan did 60% of the time this week. It's time to advance the first time. Here we go. Let's look at the SEC. Yes. We got to start with Florida. Mm. What happened? I'm legitimately asking. Florida goes to the Mary Nutter, gets run ruled by UCLA, totally overmatched. Had, at least by my eye, no plan. Swing the bat. I mean, what are we doing? Unless they were sitting change, which Megan Faramo did not throw until literally the last pitch of the game, <laughs> I have no clue what they were doing. If that was the plan to start off with, Change it. I would adjust. <laughs> I would make that recommendation. Yes, right. Eight nothing lost to Oregon. Walked off by Fullerton, who just if you're an SEC team, don't play Fullerton Stop right playing. now. Stop playing the Titans. I mean, it was a bad trip for Florida. There was no Skylar Wallace. The team batting average is down to 372, which seems super high, but then you look and they were like 440 last week. Team ERA 292, that's pretty high. Lexi Delbray. Not healthy yet. She started against Florida. That was pretty much the only time we saw her throw meaningful innings at the Nutter. Just a, a real, real bad weekend for Florida. And it draws up a lot of questions about this team. D- do I take them out of my World Series consideration? No, because it's Tim Walton and the Gators are going to be in the mix. But it exposed some flaws in what this team is this year. Yeah, because I mean... Not having Scotter Wallace is big, obviously. I think she's one of uh, the best hitters and maybe best all-around players in the conference, but not to the point of where you 
can't do anything if she's not there. Uh, and I really think the most the, the most telling and maybe the most worrisome loss out of those three is the eight nothing loss to Oregon. Yeah, because Oregon, you know, fringe top twenty team. I mean, they're I mean they're good. I think we have them at twenty one in D one this right. week. Yep, twenty one right there. Yeah, I mean they're they're good. Sure, but they shouldn't be run ruling Florida. No, you know I'll just say all right had a bad plan things didn't go well against UCLA. Okay, UCLA is really good. It's Megan the Machine. That had, she had a day. Okay. Yep. Happens. Happens. But to lose to Oregon and then get walk off by Fullerton, those are as worrying, if not more so, than the UCLA loss. So interesting to see how Florida bounces back with a upcoming three-game series at UAB this weekend. I don't think we're going to learn anything about Florida. No. No. Tennessee gets a giant win over Clemson, a one nothing victory over the Tigers, pitched in complete game fashion by the freshman Carlin Pickens, who is your SEC freshman of the week. She pitched one game, correct? One game. I would have done co. It was a really good game. Really good game. Big win. Yeah. Great job. I would have done co. Yeah. It seem, seems like it would be a pretty easy thing to do. <laughs> Just slap those two letters and a hyphen. That's it. There's precedent for it. I literally pitcher this week. <laughs> co. <sighs> Big win, though, for Tennessee. Kiki Malloy still kicking butt. And I think the biggest thing, Tom, five different games. Ashley Rodgers only threw him one. So, and it wasn't the Clemson one, which is what I would have thought. So, right. clearly, Karen has found something that she likes about this staff to the point where she trusted Pickens and Gottschall in these other big moments and gave Ashley Rodgers a rest. Yeah, I think that's that's huge for Tennessee. And um, to, beat Clem- to beat Clemson considering how well Clemson was playing, says a lot. And I think that's a, that's a heck of a good weekend for the Vols. Arkansas took two of three from Arizona. Okay. The two wins were by run. I, I am not high on Arizona. I have been very public on that. The team batting average for Arkansas is super weird. 279, that is currently last in the SEC. Unexpected. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what we talked about. One of the reasons why, you know, you had them rank lower – I did just because, you know, I thought they, they had earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but, you know, they, they're bringing in a lot of new people. Yeah. Um, just and, trying to put the pieces together. Right. So there's going to be a lot of inconsistency, inconsistency uh, that's going to plague them. But if they can get the big hits at the right time, it doesn't really matter. Um, good good job to beat – anytime you beat Arizona, you know, I know they're not as good as they normally are, but uh, to win that series at home, a big deal um, – you know, you, you had the 11-inning marathon against Drake, which, you know, happens. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Uh, Shanice Dell's one of those co-SEC pitchers of the week, by the way. She's doing fine. Um, we'll see. So we new co's and pitchers. Yes. Mm. Not in freshman, apparently. Oh, sigh. LSU, the home and home with the Cajuns of Louisiana. LSU lost the home one. Won the one in Lafayette against Louisiana. Taylor Pleasance has 27 RBIs. What? What? Tom, Taylor Pleasance has 27 RBIs this year. Already. That, that, that's kind of crazy. What the heck? <laughs> How? She's good. I mean, and actually, you know, people are getting on base in front of her. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, if she keeps that up, for sure. Look out. And the fact that LSU was able to win in Lafayette 
on a night where they were selling $2 Natty Lights. <laughs> oh boy, if you can survive that atmosphere, yes, you can do anything. All right, Tom, it's time. The Kentucky Wildcats. I know Ooh. you're 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 nursing a bit of a sore throat, so I won't make you do it, but I will. Please do. Who's pitching Kentucky? Why? Ugh. The trip to the Mary Nutter. 11-3 win over Washington and eight. Awesome. I'm yep. celebrating. I was I was all about Kentucky. 16 hits. Look at my girls. Look at the big blue. They look so good. Kayla Kowalik becomes the all-time Kentucky hits leader. Like, this is, what a game. I always say, <laughs> Kayla Kowalik. She'll always do Kayla Kowalik. Kayla Kowalik. That's right. That's for you, KK. Yes. <laughs> they don't throw Schoon over. And I'm like, okay, you know what? It worked. They won. They're saving her for UCLA. Hold sure. her back. Hold right. her back. Yes. We go to UCLA, Kentucky, and Izzy Harrison starts. And I'm like, okay, you know, she threw she threw well against Washington, trying to test her. Okay, sure. Gives up a couple runs early to the Bruins, and in comes Sloan Gayen. And then the game goes the rest of the way. We don't see Schoonover. We don't see La Catena, and. I know that there is a reason. I'm not even going to try and predict what it is. But I was really disappointed because I thought Kentucky could have won that game against UCLA had Schoonover or Lacatena pitched. Schoonover starts against Northwestern, gets pulled, I think, in the third inning against the Wildcats, a game that Kentucky eventually loses 9-3. to Was Schoonover there? Was she yes. in the Mary She's thrown over 50 innings this year. I don't understand what happened. And Lakatena is like absent for the middle of the event. I don't know what it was. So if we're trying to test the other pitchers, fine. Yeah. But at the same time, Kentucky, we know where you usually sit when we break down these brackets and games like UCLA, games like Northwestern, those were chances for big resume wins. I'll have another one this weekend that we'll talk about. And I was just disappointed. I mean, I still think the answer to who's pitching is Stephanie Schoonover. But clearly that was not what was written in at the Mary Nutter. And we've seen a trend of people not pitching their best players, oh, their best pitchers in these big games. You looked ahead of the next bullet point, didn't oh, you? I apologize. Texas saying, no, it's but, same deal. Yeah. But, and I, I get there's a thought of, well, we may play them later on and we don't want them to have seen our number one. But I got news for you. Every game is on TV. Every game is on streaming. Every game is available. Whether you see them in person or see them on film, you're not going to surprise anybody with your number one pitcher. Right. I, I think in these games, you should be pitching your best pitcher. Right. The odds of you not seeing a team are way higher than right. seeing a team. Not everyone's going to play UCLA and Oklahoma. Physically impossible. <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. Yeah, Florida starting Trilichak against UCLA. Like, what are right. we doing? And then Texas A&M starts Madison Preston, who's had a good start to the year, but I would qualify her as their number four mm-hmm. against Oklahoma. And Number one with the media, but number four yeah. in the pitching rotation. And well, but and Kennedy threw well against UCLA. Errors just destroyed A&M in yeah. these two games. But at the same time, I would have loved to have seen Levitt get a start or Ackerman in either of those games. I will say if you're a team like Texas A&M, though, 
I'm a little bit more okay with starting a three or four because you got to think that UCLA or Oklahoma has been really, you know, keying in on your one or two. So mm-hmm. maybe you can get, you know, surprise them a couple times through the order and keep them off balance. And then you're still in the ball game. And then you bring in your number one, if you're still in the game after three or four innings. See, my, my thought is on the flip side, you look at the schedule because you're a team like A&M is a good team, but is not elite. You know, you're probably based on the math and the schedule, not going to get UCLA's number one. And Megan Faramo did not start that game against right. the Aggies. So that, sure. that's kind of where I'm coming from. Oh, there's, I mean, there's, um, yeah, there's definitely, definitely a bunch of different ways you can look at it. Um, but I, I'm okay, more okay with a team like A&M, who's probably not going to see UCLA or Oklahoma. Well, well, they probably will see Oklahoma. Regional style. Yeah, of course. Don't forget. You're right. But, you know, of, you know, trying to, you know, shock them with, with somebody different. Next up is Georgia. So they lost to Clemson as we were recording, literally as we were recording last week, and then swept the weekend. I really didn't learn anything. Yeah, didn't play much. Didn't play much after that Clemson. Yeah, so good wins, but I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Missouri, good moments at the Mary Nutter. Then they lose to Oregon, but you know everybody's doing it now. Apparently. Then they get walked off by Oregon State, an Oregon State team that has been pretty bad to start the year. Definitely not living up to their preseason hype. No, no. I don't know what to make of Missouri. I don't. Alex Honnold is killing it. 537, 20 RBIs. Jenna Laird continues to be Jenna Laird. The team ERA of 282, a little higher than I thought it would be. But yeah, they're the uh, the new enigmas. Who, why? All right. There's not a lot to talk about with these next four teams, but we'll mention them. Auburn, again, just playing softball teams. Teams with uniforms and everything. Multiple teams who have not won a game <laughs> this year. <laughs> Merrimack played Brown. Yes. And because one of them won, they had a win on the year. Good job. Snaps for Brown. <laughs> uh, that being said, they had a couple no hitters. Auburn did. And I'll tell you what, Matty Penta, 39 innings this year, zero earned runs allowed. I don't care who you're doing it against. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Regardless of the opponent, that's, that's quality. Yeah. So, Matty Penta, pitching well. Auburn. Do Doing they, that do, as a staff. Do they play somebody this weekend? But there will be competition. There will mm. be another team okay. present right. and accounted for. Mm. We'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit, I'm sure. Mississippi State sweeps the weekend. Furman pushed them to 12 innings, but Mississippi State found a way with a Selena Daniel walk-off and then Josie Marin, a one-hit shutout the next day against Furman. Yeah, Mississippi State, you know, seems to be back on track. Yeah. Ole Miss, they lost to Stephen F. Austin. Then ran through the weekend and then lost earlier tonight as we record. It's Monday to Louisiana in walk-off fashion. I am looking at the staff broadcast right now, a 3-2 victory in eight for the Cajuns. So Ole Miss continues to confuse, I guess. I still don't really know who they are. Maya Stevenson hitting bombs, but otherwise, TBD. Yeah, and that kind of what we thought they were going to be uh, when we – predict them of you know a team that could beat could beat you it's gonna be a very hard to sweep the Ole Miss team but um they're not gonna be consistent enough really to contend I don't think at a high level 
Finally, I really hate that I put them last, but it was just kind of how the order went. And with our different kind of format this week, this is what happened. South Carolina is on a roll. They outscored who they played this weekend, 57 to 10. I say who they played because it wasn't a stellar field, Mm -hmm. but they won all these games. The team batting average is up. The team ERA has gone way down. And we've seen kind of three names emerge in the who's going to be the ace answer to that question. Carson Oaks, Donnie Goborn, Bailey Bettenbaugh, all pitching decently well. So, way to go. I mean, South Carolina's doing what they have to do here in the non-conference. Yeah, they're, the schedule is set up to try to get them to make sure that they're over 500 at the end of the year, and they're they're winning the games to be able to do that. Okay, are you ready for everybody's favorite segment, the FGCL Player of the Week? Please. Okay, here we go. Last week's winner, Avery Gells. We've got the nominees. Tom will pick two. And I should mention, we have eight nominees this week. I couldn't cut anybody. I'm sorry. Nope. I tried. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're making the list. You yeah, it's, it's our show. What rules, you know, you have the rules. Rules don't apply. Mm. Here are the nominees. Taria Coleman, Houston. 10 for 17. Three RBIs, a homer, a double, two walks, a strikeout, and six runs scored. Abby Hughes, Georgia Tech. 8 of 16, four RBIs, a double, a walk, three strikeouts, and two runs scored. Hallie Waycaser, Florida State, 7 of 14, four RBIs, four doubles, going full Allie Shipman here, a walk and six runs scored. Our friend Alex Staraka from Oklahoma, 10 innings, five hits, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts, and had that shutout against UCLA. See what happens when you pitch good players against UCLA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, they don't score. Taylor Minnick, Indiana, 7 of 15, 11 RBIs in five games, two home runs, three walks, a strikeout, and four runs scored. Samantha Saloon, 5 of 14, Samantha Saloon from Green Bay, by the way, 5 of 14, six RBIs, three doubles, three strikeouts, two runs scored, had the walk-off two RBI double to win it against North Dakota. Mara Wood, Evansville, 5 of 16, RBI, double, three walks, six Ks, and three runs scored. Also had a walk-off against Bowling Green. And finally, this is not factoring in the stats from the Louisiana game that we'll go towards next week. Maya Stevenson, Ole Miss, 7 of 13, five RBIs, three home runs, two doubles, and six runs scored. All right, Tom. I'm going to say because of the the eliteness of the moment, Alex Sirocco, in a one-two matchup to shut out your the number two team in the nation. Very good. And 11 RBIs, Taylor Minnick, Indiana. Okay. Rocco, you know you know I love you. I did long before we met. Alex Sirocco is going to be nominated for FTCL Player of the Week again this year. I Probably so. I feel fairly confident. This is a special number, these 11 RBIs on 7 and 15 hitting for Taylor Minnick. So our FTCL Player of the Week from the Indiana Hoosiers, Taylor Minnick. All right. Alex, we'll get you back. Don't worry. Yeah. Has she been assigned a uh, an actress? Who? Alex Scirocco? Yes. That feels... Mm, Maybe too early? Maybe. Okay. Let me, let, me, let me look at our list. Kate Winslet? Nicole Kidman? Who do we want? Hmm. I'm, I'm cool with her being Nicole Kidman. Okay. Alex Scirocco is Nicole Kidman. Right. But Which she, means, congrats, you get to go to all the movie stuff and the music stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> That's the dream. That really is. I mean... And you got away from Tom Cruise at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Speaking of Clearwater. Oh, man. And speaking of movies, because Top Gun, it all oh, just, it all comes together. Wow. Yes. Eh, hey, Tony Baldwin. As we look to our week four games to watch, the first one is Georgia and Georgia yes, Tech on Tuesday. Go. Indeed. Oh, man. Will Tony Baldwin watch Top Gun? Ma- I don't know. This is off the rails. There's not enough time from Athens to Atlanta to watch all of Top Gun Maverick. That's true. On, on the bus. That's true. But maybe at, you know, his home theater. Possibly. Maybe. Sure. Wednesday night games, North Texas at Texas. Mean Green, good team. Houston at Texas A&M and Auburn at Troy. Will Troy throw Leanna Johnson and give Auburn some trouble? I hope so. We'll see. Judy Garmin's this weekend. UCF Michigan on Thursday is the big one. As usual, Tom, what catches your eye on Friday? Well, Kentucky gets Oklahoma on mm. Friday. Yes, indeed. Do we need to ask it? Who's pitching? And will it matter? Will. Because, my gosh, Megan Framo was pitching, and it did not matter. No. Because <laughs> Oklahoma was not happy to not be number one anymore. Wow. It was. Uh, we haven't talked enough about that, by the way. That game know, was ridiculous. I know you, you're going to talk about it with, with Tara and, and Tal, but Oklahoma destroyed UCLA. And yeah. in a matter I didn't think was possible. In a way, I didn't think was possible, like strategically. Right. By swinging late in the count and getting to two strikes before they attacked Faramo. I was it, like, what? That's it, not what you're supposed to do. It was 0 0 in the top of the second. All right, we're going to settle in. This is going to be a good pitcher's duel. Next thing I know, it's 6 nothing. Oklahoma and Faramo's gone. Through two innings, Oklahoma was 10 for 12 with two outs. What is that? Who does that? Gary uh, Jennings, Haley Lee with homers God in the second inning. God bless you, Kentucky. Please give it a stay shot. Stay in this game. Start your good pitchers. <laughs> if if poor Sloan Gaming <laughs> is trotted out there to start against Oklahoma, I know that's not going to happen. No, come on. All right. The other game I'm looking forward to is Missouri at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State gave up a couple runs this weekend to UTEP and a couple other squads. Missouri still claiming disrespect in the polls. I got a lot of texts today and mentions. I don't know why you're in the rankings. You went three and two on the week and moved up a spot. So why are you pissed? I don't know. Uh, But a good test in Stillwater against the Cowgirls. Saturday, Texas A&M and Baylor. Baylor now number 10 in the D1 top 25. What the what? And maybe too low. They've beaten Oklahoma and their only losses to Arkansas is also a top 10 team. Good moment for A&M, maybe. Uh, and Baylor, you know, they've got to keep riding the hot streak. They've got wins over Minnesota. they got wins over Maryland. The Bears are playing good softball, and the Aggies are going to try and, you know, kind of get some of that consistency back that they had at the early part of the year. Yeah. And now the Judy Garman, LSU taking on Michigan on Friday, Minnesota on Saturday, a couple teams that, you know, they may not see very often, so are they going to be able to continue the – the hitting that they've been able to do here recently. And these are the type of, of weeks where they can show that consistency. Yeah. See what happens. Sunday, by the way, ACC play starts this weekend. I don't know if I said that. Notre Dame Duke is this weekend, as well as a couple other series that weren't good enough to make this list. But UCLA and Fullerton. All right, Fullerton. UCLA is not in the SEC, but why not? Do it. Sure. Strike while the iron's hot. Yes. And finally... I don't know. Is there anything else on Sunday you want to say? Okay, finally, Monday, Central Arkansas at Arkansas. 
Careful, Arkansas. Oh, boy. Jordan Johnson, our friend, going to be in the circle. There's... They're still not number four in that like projected RPI, are they? No, they go down that, a little bit? Is, that has shifted. Okay, okay good. Things but have... still, it's a good team. Yeah, noted SEC killer. Central LSU Arkansas. is like, yeah, beware. Why do we keep scheduling these people? What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, okay, is it time? We've got the sign. You know who else got the sign many times in her playing career? Tara Henry. She did. Yes. Nice transition. Thank you. When we come back, I'm we'll out. So I you. Bye, Tom. Tom. <laughs> we'll see. We'll steal second with our friend Tara Henry from D1 Softball. Get ready to steal second here on the Outbox Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. As we have publicized, Tom is gone for the next two segments. It's just me, and I am pleased to be joined as we steal second here on the show. By my other podcast co-host, Tara Henry from D1 Softball. We're basically doing what we just did on Monday night. Tara, welcome to Out of the Box. Good to have you back. Hi, great. Thank you. I love that I get to pretty much talk to you every day of the week about softball. So let's let's get it started. That is essentially what this is about at this point. <laughs> Gray and Tara texting every day and every night about softball. And we were texting a lot on Sunday about Oklahoma and UCLA. The Sooners came out and looked like the team that we saw all last year. What do you think built to that? I mean, obviously they had had a pretty impressive Mary Nutter up to that point, but the UCLA game was by far the, their best performance of the season. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, we're talking about the hitting and a lot of it has to actually do with OU's pitching staff Uh, prior weeks prior. You got, you know, Jordy Ball has 14 walks on the season. Uh, Nicole May has seven. Uh, Deal has four. So for Starocco to go in and of the four on that staff, she she had three. She has three all season long for her to go in uh, and control the ball and really hold down that UCLA offense. Um, again, it's a lot easier to throw with a lead, but um, I don't think she's getting enough credit. And I would argue that that Baylor loss had a huge uh, it was a huge turning point for OU softball. And I think we're going to be talking that uh, about that for the rest of the season. Mm, great. Oklahoma just looked like the behemoth that we knew they could be. And getting Kenzie Hansen back in particular seemed to really kind of be the jump start that that offense has been looking for since the start of the year. But that being said, they've also gotten production from other people with Kenzie Hansen out. So now how does Patty Gasso manage all those bats when you have maybe an extra option or two that you could throw in in some of these big games? Uh, you know, I talked to Kinsey Hansen and Alex Sirocco after the game. We had a quick interview, and she's just so happy to be back. I mean, having emergency surgery on her appendix, and I do believe she is a huge leadership part of that team. You know, you had Sophia Nugent behind the dish as long as well as Haley Lee, but it almost felt like with Kinsey Hansen back, all the pieces of the puzzle uh we're now together. Like you could see the full picture of OU softball. And I do think she is also another big reason that um, Oklahoma played so well at the Mary Nutter and they were impressive to watch. I, I, you know, I can't say enough about that offense and what they did all weekend long, but to put up 14 runs on UCLA, that was quite a statement from the Sooners. 
And it threw me back to another game where we watched softball together. That was at the World Series last year when Oklahoma just absolutely dismantled UCLA. So now let's look at this from the Bruins side. The last two times they have played the Sooners, they have lost by two touchdowns both times. Where does UCLA go from here if, should they draw the Sooners again later on this year? Because clearly the game plan the last two meetings has not worked. You know, the one shining light, I think, for the Bruins is the Sooners didn't see Brookinez, so they didn't see the lefty. And maybe that was part of the strategy. And she never came into the game. They never got to see have eyes on her. So the less at-bats that they have against her, the better for the Bruins. But, you know, that's a tough loss. That's a pretty large um, loss for the Bruins. But you'd argue that's a good one to have in February. So... I'd rather take that loss now in February, go back to the drawing board and, and see how we can get better as a team than heading into, obviously, uh, the Women's College World Series and and having that again. But, you know, an offense that looked like couldn't be stopped, a pitching staff that, again, was shutting down opposing offenses. I think the Bruins were exposed this weekend, and I, I think ultimately – it's going to be a good thing for that team to to be humbled a little bit because um, they've taken over that number one spot and realized that they had some work to do and, and have to go back uh, and get it get it done at practice uh, for the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, I was going to ask in particular about the UCLA offense. Are there concerns going forward after what we saw this past weekend, getting shut out by Oklahoma, Texas A&M, I believe all the runs scored were unearned because of Aggie errors that set them up. 2-1 win over a Northwestern team that's trying to figure themselves out. A 2-1 win over Iowa. Are there any concerns at all about what you saw offensively from the Bruins in the entire nutter? You know, I think there's concerns when, you know, an offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, but I still truly believe that this is one of the um, – strongest in the nation in the country and that's the thing about hitting uh, it's up and down hot and cold and the Bruins just didn't have a good weekend at the plate now is that going to happen every weekend uh, I I'm I can bet my money that's not going to happen uh, so I'm not concerned you've got really good swings on that team in general their mechanics and their approach and their timing and and what they're able to do against good pitching they've proven that they can do it so I'm not concerned about the offense uh, I I don't think they had a great weekend uh, but um, I'm I wouldn't I wouldn't be sounding any alarms about UCLA's offense because I'd argue that it's still it's still one of the best in the country I agree I think that's the correct answer Tara Henry from D1 softball joining us here on out of the box all right Tara you talked about hot and cold. Let's just discuss the cold. Uh, Tom and I have already waxed poetic about the Florida Gators and what they did out West. No Skylar Wallace is a big deal for sure, but it was, it was frankly jarring to see how badly Florida played out at the Mary Nutter being no hit by Megan Faramo, being one hit by Stevie Hansen for Oregon, losing in a walk-off to Fullerton. Yes, they beat UC Riverside, but it just looked for the most part like Florida was kind of lost this weekend. Is that how you would evaluate them? You know, Gray, I sat and watched a couple of their games and there just was something off about the entire weekend with them. I don't know if they were tired. I don't know if it was a travel issue. There was just something not right. They almost looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, but that could have been fatigue. It could have been, you know, uh, traveled to get over there. And 
missing Skylar Wallace, you know, people say one player doesn't make a huge difference. I do think it's a huge difference because of the way she plays the game. I think she's an incredible leader for them. Uh, she goes all out at all times, but yeah, I agree. Gray, there's something off there and, and it is early in the season and this happened. I mean, just a season ago, remember we were talking about Florida, uh, what's going on at Florida. And then all of a sudden they end up in the women's college World series. So, you know, I, I would say I was concerned, but then you look back in history and you look at Tim Walton's ability to develop teams and you think, well, maybe this is just par for the course and he's just ironing out of uh, the issues they're having now. But I'd be concerned if I was a Florida Gator fan because uh, more about not so much their ability, but um, lack of sense of urgency and kind of they just look quite lethargic on the field uh, from my perspective. Who's their ace? Are they waiting for Delbray to be healthy or is Hightower going to have to be that person? Because I, I think we're still, we, we still haven't seen Delbray appear for, I think, longer than three innings this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be Delbray. I watched Hightower a little bit and um, she's working her screw rise off speed. Uh, she can get there. Uh, I've seen her get there, but right now I don't think she's throwing her 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 best ball at the moment. But again, like I said, it is still February, and I think we're going to see how that uh, pans out heading into SEC play because, great, you know, once you get into conference play, um, it's cutthroat. And mm -hmm. I think that pitching staff is going to get exposed once getting into SEC. Well, and, you know, I always like to look at the scheduling. Who's got a tough final series? Who's got a tough final stretch? Florida closes SEC play at Kentucky, a team that was out at the Mary Nutter, who to start the year has has surprised me in how the, they win. You know, the, the offense has been good, but not exceptional. The pitching has been much better than I anticipated coming into 2023. Where do you see the Wildcats stacking up on a national stage with, keep in mind, two games upcoming this weekend against the Oklahoma Sooners and Norman? Well, I, I was just going to say that I think we're going to get a real idea of where they're at in terms of um, being in that top 10, if they're potentially a top 10 team. But, you know, Rachel Lawson, what she does with her pitching staff, again, she's got a lot of two-way players and they both, hit the, you know, they pitch, they hit uh, the substitution and the uh, defo, the use of the defo and how, you know, players come in and out of there is quite impressive. And, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure where they're going to be when we end the season. But I argue right now they're playing really scrappy, good ball and, and finding a way to win games. And that's all you can ask from your team. And when you got Caleb Kowalik behind the dish, uh, one of the best catchers in the country, I think that's going to help as well uh, manage that pitching staff. All right. So we spent a lot of time on this show last week talking about the infrastructure of the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational presented by Evo Shield and how that tournament is run. You were there. We were there. We had a front row seat. I'm curious how the Mary Nutter compares. You you were there. We were not. How was that tournament run this week? What, are, are they doing a better job at making sure that the scheduling and the facilities are up to par? And how did the people and the powers that be do all of that with all of the weather that they had to deal with this past weekend? You know, I think people were concerned that the Mary Nutter wasn't going to be right. Like you had Arizona state pull out, you had Iowa state pull out and, you know, the Mary Nutter is one of my favorite tournaments uh, in the country. Uh, and 
I could say I may be a bit biased because it's been around for so long and it's kind of like the the OG tournament. But this year, they've done a lot of work in terms of security. I mean, gosh, the security was making sure everybody was moving behind those fields and anybody that has been there knows it's difficult to to walk behind there. Uh, field maintenance was actually quite good and, and it rained. It rained a ton and the fields were playable. There was maybe one game that that Saturday morning Oklahoma game was a bit dodgy because it was raining all morning. But in terms of what they've done to grow the Mary Nutter, I I don't think you can find an experience like that anywhere across the country when you've got five fields uh, that you can go and t- potentially watch. You can bring a buggy, you can bring your dog, you can bring an easy up and sit in the outfield. And it's really a family experience. And there were a ton of travel ball players there and a ton of coaches and just softball fans in general. And uh, there's a bar in the middle of three fields. So what softball fan isn't going to love that you can literally sit in the bar and watch three games at a time and have a drink. I mean, it you is... know that's the dream for me. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't been to the Mary Nutter, I really actually recommend it. Because... Okay. Can you, can you describe the sandwiches? I, I, I want to know about the sandwiches. Talk about the sandwiches. So the tri-tip sandwiches, and they are like legendary. They, they, they obviously are cooking them, smoking them right there on the barbecue. Uh, you walk up, you pay for your tri-tip sandwich, and then you get to go over and you get to have peppers and onions and you get to have the sauce if you want your sauce. And just, and especially when it's cold, like the first bite of that tri-tip sandwich is it's just like heaven. I mean, you're like literally watching softball, eating tri-tip sandwich, and and normally the sun is out, right? Like it's just, it is, I don't know, it's an experience. And, you know, if you want to have a beer, you can have a beer. Like it's just, I, I don't know. I think the Mary Nutter is really the, I do, I think it's the best tournament. And compared to Clearwater, Clearwater is a little bit smaller. I don't think you can walk around as much. I don't know that there's enough seating and room. I think it has that big feel because it's on ESPN uh, and it's a huge showcase tournament in terms of broadcasting. But the Nutter, is your OG old school, like down to earth softball tournament that has a little bit of a travel ball feel. I love that. I, I just asked about the sandwiches a, because I know that that would have been one of Tom's questions if he were here. I mean, that, that is a tailor made thing for the out of the box podcast. Uh, I, I did want to touch on some non Mary Nutter things in particular, Arkansas, Arizona. I know as we were recording the D1 softball podcast, you want to talk about what Devin Nets did, and we just didn't have time to do it. Um, but but when you look at those results, I am very public about not being super high on Arizona. So I, it's very tough for me to evaluate whether Arizona just played really well and Arkansas had to escape twice, or whether maybe Arkansas kind of played down to Arizona. Based on what you saw and what you've read, how do you feel about how that series went in Fayetteville? You know, it sounded like, well, it, it did look like uh, Devin Nets basically uh, put that team on her shoulders. And that's why she's our, our D1 softball player of the week. And if you've watched Nets in the circle and you've watched her at the plate, she's just a straight up competitor. And to have a competitor like her on your team, that's the type of player that somebody rallies around. And um, I think she had an incredible weekend. Uh and, Two, she went, you know, they went three and two on the road. Uh, she, had, she had four home runs and 10 RBIs against Arkansas and Drake. And then she got it done in the circle. So um, 
do I think Arizona is playing the type of ball that's going to get them to the women's college world series? No. Do I think they have the potential? Yes. Uh, I think we, we said the same thing last year, Arizona. I mean, we kept ranking them like really low in the poll. Then sure enough, they get to the women's college world series. Uh, and we're all shocked that Arizona's in the women's college world series. So I wouldn't count them out just yet. I think they've got, you know, like we said, they've got some issues in the circle, but um, they've got that young lefty as well that they've added um, that graduated school early uh, to come and help out. And so another team to keep an eye on. I'm not sold yet, but I'm, it's not a no for me either. Okay. I, I was just thinking, you know, as you were saying last year, would, would they make a World Series? No, we, we weren't even sure they were going to make the tournament. And then they made the World Series run. So snaps for Caitlin Lowe. Round of applause. All right. Last thing, Tara, before, <laughs> before we sign off. <laughs> All right. I, I'm looking at. I'm looking at the conversations that we've had. We've talked about the teams that kind of appeared out of nowhere and made a run to the World Series or teams that we not necessarily had written off, but that we just didn't think were OKC teams that found a way to be one of the final eight. So when you look at the back half of the D1 softball top 25 right now, you've seen a lot of teams. You've seen a lot of games already this year. Do you see a team in that list that kind of would qualify maybe as that squad that could surprise us all and show up at the World Series once we get to May? You know, I, and I don't know if this just because I just watched them this weekend. I think if Texas A&M learns how to to play a little bit better defense, I think that uh, they've got a good shot at it. I, I don't know if she gets there in her first year, Trisha Ford, but my real pick is going to be Oregon. Uh I think Oregon has the pieces and the tools to get there. Uh, Stevie Hansen proved that she's an ace in the circle and uh, to have a Reagan Breedlove would have her back and uh, hitters like Allie Bunker uh, to, to then come up clutch and get some big time home runs. And Tara McGowan as well, that behind the dish, I think she's a really great leader for the Ducks, but uh, I would say Oregon has a shot to get there. And I wouldn't have said that as of late had I not watched them this past weekend at the Marionetter. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that if they hadn't watched Oregon at all this year, just considering what they lost from a season ago. I mean, you lose Brooke Yanez to UCLA, you lose uh, Rachel Sid to UCLA. And, you know, when you lose your two best players, people think, oh, no, things are going up in flames, blah, blah, blah. Trust me, I've heard it. And Oregon might be better this year than they've been the last couple seasons. Yeah, I, agree. I actually agree with you, Gray. And I think people are focused on losing Brooke uh, to UCLA and Rachel. But uh, I watched that team, and and they they have some good swings, uh, one through nine in that lineup. And, you know, Melissa Lombardi, she knows how to win. Uh, she's just settling in there, I think. And uh, I like what I saw out of the Ducks this past weekend. So we'll see uh, how that, sh- that shapes up. Uh, heading into Pac-12 play as well. Well, you heard it here first on the Out of the Box podcast. Oregon is going to the Women's College World Series. <laughs> we gotta come, we're going to come back and clip this if it happens. I Absolutely. And if it doesn't, episode is deleted. That's fine. It's <laughs> We fine. do that all the time. Nothing has been recorded ever because Tom and I are usually wrong. Tara Henry from D1 Softball. 
Tara, I I enjoy our time always. Thank you so much for doing a little home and home with our various podcasts. And uh, we will see you very soon in Tuscaloosa as discussed yes. before we press record. Yeah, I, I'm making it out there for the Alabama-Arkansas series. Uh, it, put it on there. Keep, keep me honest here, Gray. Can't wait to see you guys uh, and, and roll tide. So that was our friend Tara Henry from D1 Softball, my other podcast partner, uh, along with Tom, as we continue to expand the schedules here in the spring, because certainly we are not busy enough. From podcast partners to broadcast partners, we've got coming up as we round third, our good friend Kaylee Tao, the All-American from Alabama, who will be joining me in the booth on the SEC Network Plus this upcoming weekend at the Crimson Classic. What are her thoughts on what we saw from Alabama last weekend? How is it watching softball and evaluating it as somebody who no longer plays the game? We'll chat about it all when we return here on the Out of the Box Podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. As we have talked about, it's just me. Tom is not here. Gray Robertson flying solo. It is time to welcome my television partner to her podcast debut. Kaylee Tao, the All-American, joins the show for the first time ever. Tao, what is up? Hey, thanks for having me on. I feel like I remember you guys' first episode. I'm pretty sure I do. And now we're over a hundred. So thanks for having me. I'm super, super excited. And yeah, happy to be on this side of it. Even though I do miss the other side. <laughs> we're going to talk about this side in just a minute, but give the people out there the Kaylee Town newsletter update. What are you doing besides sitting in a, a room with me talking about softball? <laughs> My real job is working in finance at the Bowen company in Huntsville, Alabama. And I feel like that's only a fraction of my life. And then I do hitting lessons and commentating with you and anything else that pops up that I think would be fun. I just do. And so I, I miss softball and I miss playing. So just trying to stay around it as much as possible without actually coaching yet. Just go ahead and answer that question. Not coaching yet. Is that in the offing? Are you thinking about that? Definitely, yeah. But I talked to Ryan. I am Marie, which if you guys don't know, I love Ryan. She's amazing. And um, she just kind of talked about how it, it was better for her to get some age gap between you and the players that you're coaching because it needs to be a respectful player and coach relationship not friend to friend, um, so that there can be that distinction. So I'm kind of just trying to do lessons and stuff until then. And 
if the opportunity arises and I think it's right, then yes. And if it never arises, I'm happy with where I'm at and with the job that I have. That's true. If you were coaching at Alabama this year, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it'd be possible. I remember Molly Fickner was a coach on my visit. And I just, I remember her kind of saying how different it was to be like, they're still your friends, but now you're on the coaching side. And y'all, I guess are not on the inside of just me and my friends, but I don't think it would be possible. I, <laughs> I simply don't think so. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you talk about the differences from your playing days to now because we hopped on this Zoom and before we pressed record, we were talking about uh, another softball game that's going on right now. How different is it following the sport as somebody who is a fan, but also kind of as a media member now? How, How different is that compared to what you were doing when you were playing? Well, I think now I can be a little bit more judgmental and like putting my knowledge to what I'm watching because it's funny, but whenever I was playing, I never wanted to judge anything because I knew that it would come back on us. I was like, oh, that's a bad loss. And then we would take a bad loss. So then now it's like easier to be like, you know, I think they could have done this there. And I think they should have been better there and using that to kind of critique and not fearing that it would (laughs) come back on me in a karma way. So I kind of judge a little bit harsher, I think, than when I played. And then I kind of need to remind myself, like, this is really hard, Kaylee. And now you're just watching and it's easy to be like, oh, they should have done this. Um, Then when you're actually doing it and realizing that, like, it's not as easy as what everyone just sees. So I also feel like I get to watch a lot more teams. I think with playing at Alabama, I just really focused on the SEC and then the top 25 and really the top 10. And now I just watch a lot more teams because, I mean, even this weekend, there's Robert Morris and Longwood. Like I've never played them, never really even heard of them other than being a Kentucky basketball fan and Robert Morris upsetting them in the NFT. <laughs> Uh, so I get to watch a lot more softball and I really appreciate that because there's some cool stories in other teams that I'm not familiar with. I think that's an interesting nugget too, because we, we have talked in the booth often about non-SEC games. I'll turn to you and say, my gosh, did you see this score, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll respond yes, which most people, when I say that to them, do not respond yes. Were you always just like a nut for softball in terms of just caring how how it how it's going to shake out in the SEC or nationally and all that stuff? Absolutely. If I wasn't playing it, I was watching it. And I think sometimes that's what makes the good players even better is just watching the game all the time. And I was always the person that was texting in the group message like, hey, guys, do you guys want to get dinner and watch so-and-so play? And Because I just want to watch it and be around it. So now with the media, it's like I get to watch it even more. And this is just my favorite thing to do. I was afraid that I would kind of stray from watching it because I wasn't playing it and it might hurt, but it's the exact opposite. It's like, I just want to be around it because the people and the culture and the way that the game is growing is just exciting. And it's like, if you're not a part of it, I pity you because it's so fun. For the people who don't know, Kaylee and I had a production meeting before our very first broadcast opening weekend, which really basically consisted of watching Liberty, Oklahoma, and me not letting Kaylee leave because it was still tied. 
I respected that. I was like, no, I'm not going. I'm I was like, wow, well, I, I just still zero zero. I guess let's just uh, hang out for a little bit longer. Uh, Kaylee Tao here on the Out of the Box podcast as we round third, getting the sign from Patrick Murphy to go home because he doesn't give a rip. Tao, uh, let's talk about covering this team. Uh, it is it is a unique circumstance to be asked to broadcast for a team that you were essentially just a part of. Most of the people on the field were your teammates as recently as, I don't know, eight months ago. Is it is it strange to have to kind of put that aside when you're talking about Alabama on TV? Because that that is unfortunately the job at times. Uh, we, we have to pretend like we don't know these people. It is very strange. And I'm still in a group message with them. I still talk to them every single day. So I think one of the weirdest parts is to pretend like you don't know what you know. And you just get a lot of information talking to them. And then when you're broadcasting, you can kind of only use the information that you got through interviews and things. And then there's also the side of it that if you're on a team with me, I simply believe that you are the best player to ever walk the planet. So I, whenever I'm broadcasting, it kind of has to be neutral. And if they didn't do well, then we kind of have to say that maybe they didn't do very well right there. And in my mind, I'm like, no, don't even worry about it. Like she's going to get it in her next step bat or, you know, just wanting to pump them up as much as possible. But really you have to be like, mm, maybe they're off to a slow start. <laughs> so it just kind of hurts to not be able to like speak about them extremely positively, even though that's what I want to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's not easy. Your first game Alabama loses. We're going to have to do the same thing this weekend after that Kennesaw State game. There will be the Southern Miss game in between that Tom and I will call on the plus uh, with the radio stream, but we're probably going to have to do an open on Friday talking about how Alabama is going to bounce back from the Bama bash, and that is not easy for a very recent alum to to have to do. So hats off to you. I, I do want your overall thoughts on how the team has looked because you watched all of Clearwater. We called opening weekend. Uh, I know that you were tuning in at times last weekend and and listening and tracking everything. What is your evaluation of what we've seen thus far from Team 27? Because I feel like the results have been kind of across the board. Yeah, I think they've shown some moments where they've done really well. And then they've shown other times where they obviously need to get better at a few things. And I don't think anyone would disagree by saying that it's a different game whenever Montana Fouts is in the circle. And so from a leadership standpoint, especially on the offensive side, you've got veterans like Allie Shipman, you got Ashley Prangy, Bailey Dowling, Jenna Johnson, you know, where there's room to grow is for those veterans to own the plate and the offensive side of it when you don't have Fouts in the circle, knowing that maybe a few more runs will be up on the board. But I think the mentality is, is that's a challenge, right? Like we want that challenge of we can put up 10 runs. We can put up eight runs and still win a game without our ace in the circle. And then that just kind of feeds on the other side of a little bit of freedom for those pitchers to not feel as tense, knowing that their offense is going to put up runs. So I think there's an opportunity there for everyone to take ownership and be like, what can I do better? It's not the pitching. It's not the offense. It's all the above. And just look at it as a growth opportunity. And I, I think we will continue to see them get better and better and better as they come together and feel more comfortable where they are. Because something that you don't get on the other side of it is the 
the feel of putting on an Alabama uniform. And I've had friends that play at other places. It is different. There is, there is pressure, there is excitement, there's nerves. And those things are things that you work through. And sometimes players get on the other side of them and they do really well. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. So just playing out in Alabama is another stage and, and the beginning of the season can be difficult. Mm. Tom asked me a question earlier and I'm going to ask it to you as well. What would you deem a successful weekend this upcoming weekend at the Crimson Classic for Alabama softball and and set aside the record, you know, obviously five and oh, boom, that's what you want to see considering the slate if you're an Alabama fan. But what in terms of execution would you say w- would make this upcoming weekend successful after we saw a, a pretty sloppy Bama bash overall? I want to see a lot of offense because I think they're going to need to put up a lot of runs to win games. And like I said, we were talking on the broadcast the other day, if your starting pitcher gives you less than three runs to deal with, that's a really good start. You're not always going to get that though. So from the offensive side of it, it's okay. They put up four, we'll put up five. That's what I want to see is in big innings where they're putting stuff together, not just a home run and then we're done, you know, just multiple big hits. I think if they can learn to play at the Alabama standard, no matter who's in the other dugout, that's going to be really good because obviously they played up when they played Florida state. Okay. But then we got Kennesaw state and we don't play at that same level. If you played at that same level, they wouldn't even be on the field. Right. So I think setting the Alabama standard from an offensive side of we're going to put up these runs, no matter who's in the circle. And if we do that, we won't lose. Mm. Just a couple more things with Kaylee Tao as we round third here on the out of the box podcast. I want, I want to circle back to, how you're watching games now and and move away from Alabama with this new critical eye with this new eye that the media has because you're one of us now which teams have really attracted your attention just in the way that they play the way that certain pitchers or hitters perform who who has really caught your eye this year as you've been watching softball so interestingly enough I think Tennessee and Clemson and I mean they played a really great game this past weekend but I watched Clemson play Georgia and I was just impressed with the explosive offense because in the past I've thought of Clemson as, you know, the Valerie Cagle show, which when she's on both sides of the ball, they are very dangerous, but that is not what I saw. I mean, one through nine, they were and and continuing innings, right. With two outs scoring three runs with two outs. So that was extremely impressive. And then obviously Tennessee, they were up at the top of the SEC preseason poll, and I didn't really know a lot about them other than the fact that they got Donahue from Oklahoma, which I thought was going to be an impactful transfer. And I think they've gotten some some new arms in to back up Ashley Rogers. So they've been exciting to watch. Um, let's think about other. T- I, I haven't. I don't know if LSU's been battle tested yet. They've still impressed me with the way that they played. Um, they came back for and got a win against Louisiana after taking the loss the day before. And Taylor Pleasance obviously has them on her back. She's looked like midseason form. Oklahoma State, they're exciting. They hit the crap out of the ball. They score so many runs. <laughs> I love to watch teams that score runs because I. I think of it from an offensive mindset and always have. So what they did in Clearwater was just wild. The the home runs and they swing big. And I haven't always been a fan of big swingers because I think you, you swing big, lose big. 
And then no, no, they're connecting all the time. So that's really impressive. And then UCLA, Oklahoma, a little disappointed in their matchup, but I think that game, you know, you play it nine out of 10 times and it, it goes either way. And then that, that one time that they played, it's Oklahoma runs the table. So, um, but yeah, I've enjoyed just watching all together. So many teams, I think Texas A&M kind of impressed me in Clearwater. Mm. They, they did really well. And obviously I thought that they were going to be a different, different team under coach Ford. Um, yeah, that's most of the teams that I can think of. Last thing, because I don't think you mentioned Oklahoma State in my mind, obviously went to Kelly Maxwell because of course, but I don't think you ever faced her right in your college career. She didn't pitch when we played Oklahoma State. That was Everly. Um, You're right. And who knows yeah. how it went, Gray? Who knows? I don't know. I, but that brought up the question that we always get whenever we have a former player on. Typically it's pitchers, but I'll ask a hitter. Who's the one pitcher that you're glad you never have to face ever again? Megan Faramo. And a close, close, close second is G. Juarez. Very close. <laughs> Both of them have a curveball that kind of floats up, and I swing right under it every time. I don't know. I, I know what's going to happen, and I still swing under it. So, whatever. I, I mean, you almost ended the game against G. Juarez that one time, though. Yeah. Never forget. Oh, if you don't know, my dad's so competitive, probably more competitive than me. And that's a lot to say, but I looked up at him in the stands and he goes, all you need is one. And that was like keyword for, you're not going to get any more than one. <laughs> you're not doing well. <laughs> just, just hope that you can get one. And yeah, that was when I was like, wherever she's pitching it, swing over it. And then I finally hit it. But it was, I also remember um, knowing that she was throwing the backdoor curve that looked like it was going to hit me. Murph actually showed me film on the bus and he was like, what was wrong with this pitch? And I was like, it looked like it was going to hit me. And he was like, why didn't you move out of the way? I don't know. And then it ended right down the middle. But anyway, I was like, if she throws me that backdoor curve, it's going in the bleachers. I'm hitting it over the fence. First at bat. She threw me three changeups and I swung at all three. <laughs> I was like, well, all right. <laughs> fun, fun times. <laughs> Don't want to go back to those, but. Uh, well, you're, you're with us now. You're one of us. You're a media member. Are you ha like, do you want to keep doing this? You're pretty good. I've got a lot of compliments. I do want to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. I like preparing for the games and I like researching and learning a lot about other teams. And then, Gray, I don't know if you know, but you kind of make it easy. <laughs> you really do. It's just like talking up there. No, that's that's not what this is about. We're talking about Kaylee Tao. Here is we round third. You do. You're like, here, I, I'm putting it on the tee. Go ahead and hit it over. <laughs> well, okay. I'm just, all right, then I will take credit for throwing fatties over the middle. I can do that, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I do appreciate that. No, I, I really do enjoy it. I, I like getting to tell the story of the other team and then... I mean, I know we talk about how it's hard to stay neutral, and it is, but it's also exciting to see those players come in and have success when you know that they want to beat a team like Alabama. That's exciting. Yeah, and we'll be on the air this weekend on SEC Network Plus at the Crimson Classic. We've got Robert Morris Longwood and our faves at Mercer coming into town. 
Make sure you tune in all weekend long. Tao and I will be on the air for many hours, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Kaylee Tao, you have passed your podcast debut with Flying Colors. Thank you so much for hopping on out of the box. Thanks for having me. So that is my All-American TV partner, Kaylee Tao. So we've now had Sid on the show after she became my partner and Tao, which is great. Tao, great job on this podcast, on the air. You're killing it. And I cannot wait to broadcast this weekend with her by my side. I'll be all suited up, probably sweating because it was 80 degrees today. And I'm sure this weekend will be something quite similar. Okay, Tom's about to return. It's time to head home. When we come back, it's a very simple heading home segment. We're just doing off the wall. There was a lot that we were going to discuss anyway, and then shenanigans occurred. So we will be heading home on the Out of the Box podcast when we return in just a moment. Welcome back. It's time to head home. Let's put on one of the nine shows that Tom and I are behind on. Last of Us, Full Swing, Murdaugh, Murders. I've watched all those. You have? I've only seen one. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we're going to talk about that after this. Jennifer and I binged that one. Wow. Yeah. When? (laughs) Um, Sunday night. Oh, my gosh. So that's how you also got over the loss? Was by watching a story of Southern murder? That's how I decompressed. Oh, man. We live such... (laughs) It's crazy. I don't understand why. Wild lives. (laughs) It worked for me, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I was like, you know what I don't want to watch right now? Sports. (laughs) Sports are dumb. The worst. The worst. Oh, man. Anyway, yes, we're heading home here on the Out of the Box podcast. That's Tom Canterbury. I'm Gray Robertson. Glad to be back. Good job on the interview. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's good to see you. It's a long, <laughs> long, strange it's journey. Been a, it's been a while. Stealing second, rounding third. I didn't know where I was. I know what's happening. Just somewhere on the base pads, spinning about. That sounds familiar from Sunday. Oh, man. It honestly sounds familiar for a lot of the people that we're about to talk about. Yeah. Now, I will say, next week, we're going to revisit our SEC preseason polls. I feel pretty dang good about my Tennessee's going to win the SEC pick. Gotta say. We'll talk about it all, though, next week. We'll save it for the pod. My seventh slot for Tennessee. Might be a little low. Yeah, we'll see. again, let's not make judgments in February. (laughs) No, no. This time... And we won't be making judgment in February. We'll be making it in March. That's true. Yes. Good point, Tom. Loophole. No, this heading home segment is all about the -the off-the-wall-ness of it all. Play the drop. It's time for Off the Wall. Stop complaining when we win. You know, differentiating between facts and opinions, people. I've seen enough to know that I've seen too much. The conspiracy heard round the Facebook. Get your tinfoil hats out. Let people enjoy things. First off, red pen, please. Please. I can't believe we're talking about it. It's so asinine. It's like I, I, I had a thesaurus out looking up ways to describe dumbassery. Don't send novels to the coaching staff. Farcical. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so as we say, every time, and it doesn't happen often, 
But every time Alabama loses a bad game or it's a bad loss or they don't play well, you got to say something really dumb to make the off-the-wall segment. I have a little bit of that. But also, Tom, we've got some things we need to clarify about camera positioning and about the flex rule and probably other things. Please hit lead off. Wow. Okay, so which one do you want to start with? Or We can start with the camera. Okay. Uh, so this week, in case you weren't aware... A lot of stuff happened at the University of Alabama. Uh, Give me the list, Tom. Yeah, so we had uh, baseball, who wasn't going to be home, had to come home because it was a monsoon in Malibu. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. a great book title. That is. Mark oh. that down. Monsoon in Malibu. That might be the title of the episode. We'll see. <laughs> Alabama was supposed to play at Pepperdine. Instead, Bama baseball hosted High Point for a three-game series. You had gymnastics on Friday. Mm-hmm. You had men's basketball on Saturday. You had women's basketball on Sunday, all at home, as a, a in addition to the Baba Bash. Yes. So, just there's only so much <laughs> that you can do. We have we have that uh, Crimson Tide Productions uh, has. Um, you probably know more about that than I do. What what all that they have available? Well, I'll just let you know. Like there are a set number of student workers. There are hour issues there sure. as well, and also. There are not an infinite number of control rooms to run these events, yes. and some sports do require both of the in Brian Denny control rooms. Uh, and I, I don't know completely about that side because I worked one game behind the scenes and was awful at it, and they were like, no, just talk. Um, but I do know that it requires a lot of manpower to just put one broadcast out there, let alone on a day like Friday where you've got gymnastics and baseball and softball all at once and gymnastics needs like a right. pretty much everything available exactly uh, because it's so sprawling and because it was such a big event right so for softball this weekend all we had was the high home camera which showed you all the action but you didn't get replays you didn't get you know the zooms in on on different air angles and things like that and then you didn't get any additional broadcasters you just got the radio feed Oh, damn it. Sorry. That's what you got. And wow, people were upset about that. And I was like, have you seen what Flo is putting out there? Have you seen game, oh. like Gamecast and that type of Flo stuff? Flo is such a scam. I mean, it, like, it just is. I paid 30 bucks because partially because I'm insane sure. as well documented. Understood. But also for the job, you know, yeah. I, got, I got to be able to watch UCLA Oklahoma to go on the D1 softball podcast to go in here to, to now, talk intelligently right. about it. Now, I will say like the UCLA right. Oklahoma broadcast was fine. The main feed is good. Right. But on the other you get you get one camera in the outfield on some of these other ones. And if you don't believe us, Fullerton tweeted out the highlight of the walk-off against Florida. No I can't either. see a damn thing. I I know the I know the center fielder was upset. That's yes. all I know. Kendra Falby is visible, and like that's it. <laughs> so all we get. Right. So I mean, and again, we're as we always talk about, we should be you know pretty grateful for what we have because right. it's not been that long ago that none of this was available. Well, and also you know considering uh, the resources that were being spread out all throughout right. campus, it is kind of amazing that the games were able to be shown in their entirety. I think of that and then look at what happened in Fayetteville on Friday. I'm not sure what their control room situation is. I'm not quite sure about the facilities. I have no idea. But there was a technical 
issue of I, some sort. I don't know. We don't know. But there was no stream available for Arkansas Arizona on Friday. Right. Which, so, which I actually a, thought was against the rules. Yeah. And frankly, that is a bigger and better matchup than anything Alabama had this week. Absolutely. So there was a lot of complaining about that. There was a little bit of a volume technical issue that we had with our audio mm-hmm. that we got fixed on Sunday. But all, all in all, you're able to see pretty much every game. And I'm sorry you didn't get the full everything that, that is normally available. But, man, we are complaining about, you know, first world problems at this point. That's what Emily P. Tech put in one of the Facebook groups. She was like, man, some of y'all have never tracked a game on GameCast before, and it shows. Exactly. And it wasn't that long ago, Tom. No. If y'all are tired of it, I I highly recommend you donate the money to build a new control room. (laughs) Because until then, this will happen occasionally. Well, and then also, it's the same people complaining every game about it, and they're told the reason why, and then they complain the next time about it. Right. Which is, that's the most frustrating thing. You've been told what is happening. We do this once a year, this conversation. And, but, yeah, not even, even if they're not listening to the podcast, they're told on the comment yeah. why that's happening. And it's still, like, you can, by clockwork, the same person is going to say the same thing the next time. But can I'm going to use that as a spinoff to one comment before Please. we talk about the flex rule. Please. And as usual, girls game, radio only. When do we get recognized for the great team we have? Camera view doesn't count. Okay, hold on. So if you, you just acknowledge it's not radio only by saying that there was a camera view. Second, untrue. Baseball had the same stuff. Right. High home. They did have somebody manning it because the baseball field is much more difficult to coherently get into one frame. Right. But that's it. This is not the sexism hill. No right now also radio only sorry well if, if I mean, you're dang if you're if you're an alabama fan don't you want the people that follow the team every game don't you want to be able to hear them anyway that's I, true i would think like i don't understand why you're complaining about that nobody knows not even you know not taking it personally but like we're there every game nobody knows alabama better than us from a media standpoint right we're there every game we're there at least twice a week at practice one of us is there yeah um we were there for every scrimmage and fall ball game we are and in we, text threads with coaches and we do a podcast this is 101 and first episode of yes 90 percent of it's about alabama softball did you hear the first segment You're right 30 minutes on alabama we spent four on the florida gators who had a much worse weekend trust us we got it. So I, I'm sorry. All you had were the dang radio guys. But mm-hmm. and by the way, half the time when it's TV, it's one of the radio guys. That's true. <laughs> so that also makes me laugh. So again, not to take it personally, but geez. I mean, that's that's right. I mean, as we say, you literally can't escape us. It's like, oh, the stream's back. <laughs> nope, nope, it's gray. <laughs> And Kaylee or whoever, yes. it's all gray is there. All right, well, I guess I'll go back to right now. Tom is there too. Yeah, sorry. They're everywhere. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, unless something changes, I believe there is only one such high home radio multi-platform excellence game left on the docket. That is this Wednesday against Southern Miss. That is if we play. Yeah. I hope we do. We'll see. But we'll Although see. they're a bird. 
That's true. Avoid uh, the birds. Avoid the Alfred Hitchcock was right. Yes. This is not what we want. Okay, you ready to talk about the Fletch rule, Tom? Not really, but all right. <laughs> Another yearly tradition unlike any other. <laughs> and, yes, now we're in a situation where Alabama has a pitcher that hits. The flex is going to come into effect. I'm pulling up the graphic now. Here's what it looks like. You've got nine people with red squares, which has historically meant that person is batting, will be hitting. The first nine people listed are usually the nine hitting. Yes. At the bottom, with a white square, is Jayla Torrance, listed as the DP. Lauren Esman, listed as the pitcher. So all of a sudden, I get, you know, we're getting a bunch of comments. Oh my gosh, did Murph hit his head? Jayla hitting? No, no. The lineup is right. The graphic is right. It, this is the flex rule. You can Google it. You can go listen to past episodes. Um, but I, I think like, honestly, what really bugged me was the vitriol with which people were like, this is wrong. What, what is he doing? It's like, you just don't understand the rule. So don't get mad at Alabama because you don't understand how the flex works. Lauren was pitching. That's why the P is there. And she has the red square, which means she is hitting. You can only hit nine people. This is yes. not the FGCL. Right, correct. You don't have to comment on everything. Like, if you don't understand what's happening, you can have an unexpressed thought. <laughs> what? I know. Oh. You know, just hold on a minute and see. <laughs> Follow the game. See if see if Patrick Murphy has indeed lost his mind. <laughs> or if maybe. What? The Hall of Famer knows how a softball lineup works and guess what so too does the sid who's worked here for right. 10 years yes he also is aware of how it works my favorite is it didn't happen this year but it's happened a couple of years ago when a similar situation happened and somebody said i don't know what the flex rule is but whoever's doing this graphic <laughs> needs to figure it out they did and they did it right because uh, you don't know what the flex rule is <sighs> All right. Do you have any more? Or should I get to some of the list? I think we, well, I'm going to say one thing before we get to the list. Okay. Um, I saw from Bama Central SI.com uh, put out a article today uh, discussing the weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was probably one of the best ones I'd, I'd read about the situation. Had very measured and good critiques because critiques are sure to be had. And fair. And fair critiques. Yeah. But didn't go over the top of, you know, fire everybody. Burn this, it down. Burn it down. It's going to be a disaster. And I think that needs to be kind of the thought of Alabama fans right now. This team is, you know, you have Montana Fouts, who's a fifth year. You have Ali Shipman's a fifth year. Um, you have Ashley Prang, who's a fifth year. And then you got a lot of really young players. Yeah. So there is. Young players are players that are new to what they're doing right, right now. Exactly. So there are going to be some growing pains type games. Does that excuse a loss to Kennesaw State? No, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for it. But there's going to be games like that. But we've also seen what Alabama can do. Yeah. We've seen them beat Florida State. We've seen them be right with UCLA. We've seen them beat a really good Duke team. We've seen some really positives. So as, as we were saying before, one bad day doesn't negate every other positive thing that has happened. And because I made this uh, I made this observation after the first weekend, the fact that we get 
twice to three times as many comments on a loss as we do on a victory is frustrating when you have to do segments like this now because of that. The updated comments number, 398 on the final score graphic from Sunday. The final score graphic on Saturday, 125. And I much enjoyed Saturday. Much I more. had a great time. <laughs> so if y'all are that miserable, yeah, find, then find something else to do. There are other teams and hobbies out there. Right. Golf is great. Yeah. Go play some golf. Go watch Full Swing if you really hate watching the high home feed that much. Right. If it bothers you that much. If if that team in crimson just right. mm, mm. Okay. also come to the game if you don't want to watch high home. That's true. We had some we had some open seats on Sunday. Um, not much in conference play, so you're going to have to go through the back channels. And that reminds me, can I say one more thing? Sure. I want to commend the Alabama team, Team 27, after Sunday because it was, you know, prearranged. There was an autograph session before, and I'm sure after what I'm sure was a pretty good butt-chewing in the clubhouse, they weren't really wanting to do a 30 minute autograph session, but the, you know, the kids that were there didn't care or know if you went four and four, four for four or oh for four. That might be the only time this year that some of those people that came Sunday were there. And, you know, I, I kind of, after I, on my way out, I kind of looked around and saw everyone signing autographs and stuff on the concourse. I thought all the girls showed tremendous character yeah, and did a great job interacting and talking and having a good time with the Alabama fans that loved them regardless that were there. Uh, I was, I was really impressed by the character of team 27. That is a really good sentiment that honestly, I think we're going to wrap on. I've got the list. I don't need to read it. You know, we know they're wrong. People saying you're not going to win an SEC game. That's insane. When was the last time somebody went 0-24 in the SEC? (laughs) What the hell? South Carolina didn't go 0 for last year. Alabama's not going 0 for this year. That's not going to – I mean, that's insane. And I think that that thought is the best way to end this podcast. I didn't mean to undercut your – No, no, no. Because honestly, like, when you lose a game like that, it's very hard to differentiate. Like, okay, what is a fair off-the-wall comment to read on this pod? Not going to win a game in SEC play. That's insane. That's insane. (laughs) South Carolina was really bad last year and won three. Right. And Alabama is five times, ten times as good as South Carolina was last year. Yeah. Insane. An Alabama team with their number one lineup with Montana (laughs) Fouts pitching is not going to lose every SEC game. Just not going to happen. That is the dumbest that, that, uh, I did see that one, and I thought that was awesome. Might be the, you know, put it on the podium of most off-the-wall things ever. Oh, that guy's in the burned book, which, you know, <laughs> isn't good. But I think that your sentiment is a good way to end, and I want to read a tweet from Kayla Kowalik, who, quote, tweeted something Emily Pitek said. Emily tweeted, imagine basing somebody's worth off of a win or loss. Kayla Kowalik tweeted, sports are fun, winning is fun, neither should define you. And I think that is, to me, the thing that I take away from this weekend is that Sunday result, frankly, doesn't define the weekend. As we talked about, one bad situational game 
only brought down Alabama's overall weekend situational stats to really good from excellent to really good. Um, that loss does not define this team, nor does it uh, define what the rest of the season is going to be. And if you're hopping off the bandwagon now, okay, see yeah, ya. Right. We will, we will, I guess, pick you up next year. Maybe. Well, I mean, you know, people will jump on and then find something else to complain about next year, but you know, that's, there are, you know, leveled and reasoned critiques to be had after, after a loss to Kennesaw State, sure, to have mm-hmm. that, but, you know. And it, it's okay to be disappointed. I was sure. very upset calling women's basketball, seeing that game go final. I was very sad. And then Alabama women's basketball started coming back, and I felt happier, and then they yeah, lost. I was right. like, well, and screw then, this. And then, and then you were reminded how dumb sports were. Where is the nearest bar? Right. But apparently closed it, too. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, Why? But, I know. But The worst Sunday in years. <laughs> but that being said, you know, especially in a game like, you know, softball, baseball, those type of games, it happens sometimes. Yeah. You know, the better team doesn't always win. Does that mean you don't? care if you out you win or lose of course you care you know alabama's wants to win every game that they're out there and they are working to do that but you know sometimes you don't play well the other team does you have a really good pitcher you can't figure it out next thing you know it's five three and the game's over mm. that's pretty much what happened on sunday does that mean that they will never be good no <laughs> i mean never going to win an no. sec game <sighs> and as we always remind people 2012 Alabama lost to Fordham 2014 they lost to McNeese I think in 2012 they also lost to Georgia State so I mean games you know you they don't always work out like they should that's why they play them 2022 the Texas Longhorns were an awful February team yep and they made it to the daggum champ series sure so Teams are going to get better. Players are going to get better. Uh, obviously, there are things that need to be corrected. We think they will be going forward. And if they're not, then we'll have that discussion too. Right. Should the time come. I mean, yeah, we unfortunately had to do that in April and May last year. That's right. And that's what happens. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Agreed. That's off the wall. Mm. That was good. I enjoyed that. Okay, podcast plan for next week. Oh, wow. Back to... We got a lot of stuff happening next week. Yeah, we're gonna figure it out <laughs> because uh, we might. I'm I'm thinking we might do an on the road from Austin. We'll see. We'll see if we can maybe do a Twitter space or something because we'll have the own car. Stay tuned for yeah. maybe some Austin content. Uh, regular maybe pod on, maybe on the way to Austin. Who knows? Uh, regular pod next week is going to be tricky, right? Because there is a, a game against. The mighty Broncos of Western Michigan on Tuesday. Then we travel to UAB on Wednesday. Yeah. And then we leave for Austin on Thursday. There could be a shortened Monday episode, maybe, you know, in the vein of the old slap and run, something that we crank out in 45 minutes. But right. it, it is not going to be a regular week of out-of-the-box content next week. So stay tuned on the Twitter for that. Yes. But we'll have fun wherever, whatever. That's true. Uh, speaking of the Twitter, Tom, mm-hmm. what is yours? T Canterbury RTR, C A N T E R B U R Y. Okay. The pod is at out of the box underscore pod. I'm at Gray, G R A Y underscore Robertson. And we'll be tweeting a lot from those accounts, Tom, including if you want to listen to those daggum radio guys. Sorry, that's all you get. Oh, man. How do you do it? <laughs> 
here in Tuscaloosa, listen over the air on 97.5 FM, available anywhere you go at nick975.com, as well as MeTV975, the app that's free that will have all the games, and we're not, we're about a month away from getting on that varsity. I was about to say, we're, yeah, pretty close. We're getting there. Oh boy, but okay. I would download, if, if you're waiting for varsity, why? Just download that MeTV app. It works really well. I yeah. tuned in at women's basketball when I was getting texts about the sound. I was like, folks, Radio, I'm not there. But, okay. Yes. But I tuned it I tuned in and it sounded great. Right. And I was I was trying to fix things and I was also I'm also calling a game. There's only so much I can do. But we got it fixed. <laughs> so if it is on the if, if we do get to play Wednesday and we get the stream, you'll be able to hear both of us. And I'm sorry. Yes. And that'll also be on the ESPN app, except for apparently Dish customers, because we're all what is happening? not getting a daggum thing. <laughs> Network error. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I just want to watch Lafayette. Or, I mean, Louisiana. Excuse me. Right. Oh, boy. Against last. <laughs> ULL and last. Oh, we love a good rivalry. The pettiness. I'm, I'm here for it. Give me all the gumbo with a, with a pinch of petty. Mm. Charlie Petty, by the way, plays for LSU. So again, it just all... It all comes together. Oh man, we need to end this episode. Please. Thank you so much for tuning into the Out of the Box podcast. We will see you this week in Rhodes at Tuscaloosa for the Crimson Classic. Look on RollTide.com for all start times, links, everything you could ever want. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you next time on the Out of the Box podcast. Don't be off the wall.